everybody, and welcome to another episode of Insight, a podcast about the optical and optometry industry in today's marketplace. Uh, today, we're real excited to have as our guest uh, Dr. Howard Freed of um, Digital Optometrics. And many of you probably know Dr. Freed and his work and what he's been doing over the last few years in terms of bringing a new type of technology to the marketplace and uh, helping to provide uh, eye care for many uh, doctors, and helping with technology to deliver eye care for, and helping doctors to, to do that to a number of different locales, remote and otherwise. And we're just really pleased to, to have you with us today, Dr. Freed. Well, thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'd like to, if we could, get started with a little bit of your background. Uh, I've had an opportunity over the last couple of years to get to know you a little bit, but there may be people who are listening that really don't have that same appreciation. So if you could, just take some time and give us your background and how you got interested in technology and, and kind of the background on digital optometrics. Sure, I'd be happy to. So Going all the way back, um, I'm a Johns Hopkins University uh, undergraduate graduate uh, back in the early 90s, and uh, then went to SUNY State College of Optometry, where um, I graduated from the optometry school in 1996, which I guess dates me a little bit. And then um, from there, I started going into commercial retail practices. I owned and operated um, optical superstores within Macy's department store. I had five locations. Uh, those were practices that had doctors on the premises seven days a week. We also had full surfacing and edging capability in each one of those facilities, you know, frames, lenses, contact lenses, et cetera. Um, and then uh, from there, uh, since I had a, uh, a full surfacing lab, and it was just uh, sitting idle waiting for customers to come in, it made sense uh, for capacity purposes to do more lab work. So I started performing uh, work for the Veterans Administration in New York and New Jersey and performing all their lab work, which became a business, uh, a separate business, doing a couple hundred jobs a day uh, in lab work. So what I did was ultimately in... Um, in uh, the early 2000s, I separated out a couple of the uh, the equipment in those in those stores, in two of the stores, sold a couple of the stores to other doctors, and 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 separated out the the business so that I had a separate lab separate from the retail component. And then ultimately in uh, 2010, uh, got the knock on the door by uh, by Essilor uh, asking if I wanted to uh, to sell my lab business. Um, which I had built beyond the VA and started performing work for uh, eye care providers uh, locally in the tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And I sold the lab to them in 2010, went through a five-year earnout with them, and then ultimately sold my other practices in Macy's uh, to focus on that earnout. Uh, and then in 2015, uh, I had to, uh, to figure out, okay, what did I want to do next? And, and that's where um, I started becoming interested in in um, the next next stage of my life, um, which I can, if you want, I can talk to you about now, or we can go through some other things, which whatever you prefer. No, that's fine. Um, so that at that point in 2015 is when you began to turn your attention towards um, this technology development. Yeah. So what was happening was I, I was having a lot of customers uh, coming to me, eye care providers, asking 
if I can help them find optometry, uh, optometrists to cover them uh, for their practices. Uh, for some reason, there was a void going on in the, in the profession uh, in 2015 and 2016, um, and I was trying to figure out why that was the case. And I had spoken to a couple of the uh, optometry school uh, presidents uh, locally and in the region to see what was going on. And they had indicated to me that 70% of the graduates are young women who are coming out of the profession and practicing for a couple of years, um, but ultimately are having children and want to raise those children. And so they really wanted flexibility and schedule. Um, and because they're leaving the profession for that period of time, uh, and they want to stay engaged in the profession, uh, it was a, a conflict. And so there was sort of a void because of that. The other thing is that there's more of a push towards medical eye care. I mean, the, the optometry schools are doing a phenomenal job, you know, what they're teaching to these students now. And, and so most students coming out of optometry school really don't want to focus on the subjective refraction, which is better one or two. They want to really focus on treatment, uh, you know, management, diagnosing, management and treatment of ocular disease. And so, you know, they're really cherry picking where they want to practice as a result of that. So there really has been a void. And, and so I looked at some of the technologies that were out there at the time, and most of them were focused on the refractive only component. Uh, they were separating ocular health and refraction, which to me is a no-no. You know, and the reason why it's a no-no is because it's, it's really uh, doing a disservice to patients uh, because you're not, uh, you're not able to have any kind of early detection of eye disease uh, the best autorefractors in the world cannot determine whether someone has diabetes or hypertension. Um, so what I wanted to do uh, was to create something that replicated the in-person experience, um, uh, kept refraction and ocular health together, which is what it should be, together, uh, so that we can go ahead and have early detection of eye disease. We can have a comprehensive eye exam, ocular health assessment associated with every single exam. Um, and so... Uh, that's and, and the other thing that was happening was that uh, these other companies that were out there that were really competing against optometry were utilizing ophthalmologists remotely to sign off on these prescriptions. And there was no communication between the doctor and the patient. And as you know, most patients have three to five questions that they want to ask their doctor. And so when you take that doctor off and, and they're at a completely different location and you there's no communication, that patient doesn't get a chance to be able to get their questions answered. And so I felt that that was a really important element of the exam that needed to, 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 you know, to remain, is that doctor-patient relationship. And so I decided to go ahead and, and, uh, and, and invest money and time and resources into um, software development and building what ultimately became uh, Digital Optometrics, which was the first uh, teleoptometry company to be launched um, in the U.S. and abroad. And, and what that was really all about was providing a replication of the in-person experience as closely as possible um, so that patients could be seen by their doctor. They can have audio and visual communication with their doctor on a screen so they can communicate live with them. Um, and the doctors, as we talked about earlier, that want flexibility in schedule that want to be able to work from a home office or that want to be able to work in one office while they're seeing patients remotely in, in two or three other offices have the ability to do so. Uh, and that's what this was all about. 
And that was launched in 17? That was launched in 2017. Actually, in 2017 is when we, we did our beta testing um, and, and had seen 500 patients through the beta testing. Uh, and then in 20, it was actually in 2018, in March of 2018, at Vision Expo East, when we officially launched it to, um, to the optical industry. It's fascinating that you talk about some of its origins um, being influenced by really a shift in the provider community that's being seen through the schools. And um, I find that yes. really interesting. So how is the, tell me a little bit about how it's been so far. I mean, um, having a little bit of an advantage and you and I talking before, I know that initially um, there was probably some confusion in the community, yes. uh, provider community about it. Tell us a little bit about how that, what your experience has been since rolling it out at Expo East that year. Yeah, well, Expo East was, uh, in, in 2018, was just an incredible, incredible weekend for us, um, starting with the Vision Monday Summit launch and then going into the Expo. Uh, we, were, we were packed the entire three days with, um, with independents coming in to, to see the technology, with, uh, with commercial retail executives um, uh, packed from, from, you know, for three days straight with people uh, curious about what was going on and how it could help their businesses um, and, and the practice of optometry. Um, so it was really, it was a highly successful launch. But to your point, um, you know, this is, this is about education to the profession. And, and you know, this, this podcast does that as well. Um, you know, it really is about educating everyone because originally when we first came out, uh, you know, we were associated with telemedicine overall. And and the first thing that people think about when they think about optical telemedicine is refractive-only solutions that are offered by other companies. Um, and that is not uh, reflective of what we are doing. So we, we you know, to be able to uh, communicate that to effectively that we're sort of not in the same sandbox, uh, that, that took some time to do uh, to make sure that people understood that we were taking a responsible approach to the practice of optometry. Um, you know, and that we were putting patients first. It was clearly a patient-centric, OD-driven um, model that we had, uh, and that and every decision that we've made to date has been whether the uh, it was in the best interest of the patients or not. We only did things that were in the best interest of the patient, and I think that's why we've had a successful run over the last um, you know 13 months or so. Well, I know it's really caught a lot of attention, and it's uh, a lot of interest in it, and. Um we're talking with Dr. Howard Freed, and we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Optometry Giving Sight is a global charity that funds the establishment of sustainable eye and vision care services so people in underserved communities can help themselves. It's more than just giving sight. It's about transforming lives. By donating, You'll provide funding to train and educate people to become practicing optometrists, as well as establish clinics and vision centers that provide local employment and access to affordable services. Optometry Giving Sight, transforming lives through the gift of vision. All right, we're back. And uh, we're speaking with Dr. Howard Freed of Digital Optometrics, and he's been explaining a little bit about the origin 
of his technology and the ability to provide um, optometry with the capability of performing remote exams, a comprehensive eye exam. And what were some of the struggles that you faced early on in terms of bringing this technology into fruition? Yeah, I, John, it's, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing was really educating the, you know, the companies, the optometrists, opticians, uh, what this was all about, um, and that we were taking a comprehensive approach to practicing remote uh, examinations, that we were trying to duplicate the in-person experience. Uh, that was, I guess, the biggest challenge because there were predecessors to, to digital optometrics that were taking more of a, a direct-to-consumer or what you know they call consumers, we call patients, approach competing against optometry by putting ophthalmologists on remotely um, and uh, really not really uh, providing the the uh, the patients uh, with the with a full comprehensive eye exam and that really confuses the marketplace because they're coming out and indicating that these are exams when in fact they're screenings uh, when patients get a prescription for eyeglasses and they can see well for distance and they get one of these refractive-only solutions, uh, they're not, in their minds, uh, they're not prioritizing going to their optometrist to get the ocular health assessment because we've already solved for them the initial reason why they were concerned, which was they couldn't see for, for distance or, or for reading. Um, and so that's, that's a problem when we separate out um, you know, refraction and ocular health because we're really, optometrists are really the best gatekeepers in the, in the profession. And it's only through a comprehensive eye exam, through an ocular health assessment, that we can determine if somebody has diabetes or hypertension or glaucoma or cataracts. Um, so it's really critical that, that you take a responsible solution, that you put ocular health with refraction. The whole arena of telehealth or telemedicine has uh, been growing over years. I think that one of the things that I found interesting when you and I first met and I learned about uh, your program, your software and your, your ability to provide this was how shocked people seemed uh, not realizing that telemedicine's been around for, gosh, what, 10, 15 years? And, and um, right. I, certainly in areas of primary care, I myself um, dialed up a telemedicine doctor uh, one weekend when I was, you know, having sniffles and and uh, had a cold and, and found that experience to be great. I mean, I just was extremely satisfied with it, and it it came. It was easy to do, and and the convenience of it was really important to me. How are you seeing uh, this profession adopting this remote or teleoptometry approach to practices right now? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, I, I agree with your you know, what you just said, which is that you know, five six years ago, generally for telemedicine, uh, there were only a few hundred thousand uh, visits through telemedicine annually. And if you fast forward five years, and you know, in 2017, 2018, uh, there were over seven or eight million uh, telemedicine visits that were going on uh, here in the U.S. So it has um, it has grown. Uh, by 20 to 25 times over the last five years. Um, so uh, people are becoming more accustomed to, to seeing doctors uh, through, through these kinds of interfaces uh, remotely uh, for a lot of different 
um, parts of medicine. And so specifically related to optometry, uh, this has only been going on for a few years. And as I said, some of the refractive only uh, solutions have been going on. They were the ones that started in this in this side of the business. Um, the it, it, it clearly, if you take a look at where we were uh, a year ago versus where we are today, uh, it is truly becoming embraced. Uh, you know, much more so twelve months later than it was. Uh, you know, a year ago when we first launched, and I think that's due to the fact of one education. Uh, you know, having been out there throughout the country and explaining. Uh, what we're doing, uh, but it's also because of the medical side of it, which is becoming more mainstream. Uh, that people are are saying, "Hey, listen, you know, and listen, we're also living in an age of Amazon, where it's all about patient demand, and and people want to be able to uh, to be able to be seen by their doctors at times that are good for them, um, rather than when you typically call up and say, "When can I, you know, I'd like to get an eye exam?" They say, "Well, the doctor's only here from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m." Um, you know, now it's about, well, I, I work at that time. I want to be seen either in the morning or in the evening hours or on the weekends. And those are typically not the times that doctors want to work. Um, so that kind of flexibility, uh, that, that ability to go ahead and now structure your practice based upon when patients want to be seen is, is, really, um, is really why this whole remote eye exam system is really being embraced now. because. Uh, practices are seeing that they can actually see far more patients uh, by utilizing this and without the doctor having to be physically present. And what are some of the comments? Because if I'm not mistaken, you offer both the software, but you also have a panel of optometrists that perform yeah. the exams. What are some of the comments that you've seen over the 18 months or so uh, from the optometrist perspective? Use I'm, I'm sure that Early on, and some of them were kind of cautious and a little reluctant maybe, but uh, now you've had enough experience. Uh, I know you've done a number of exams. Uh, what's the response you're getting from optometry? The, we've, we've done over 10,000 exams uh, to date. Uh, the, the optometrists, we actually have hundreds of optometrists that have requested to be a part of our program uh, throughout the United States. What's really interesting, John, is that um, they, they love it so much that they are getting a license through reciprocity in multiple states uh, because they want to be able to work from a home office and see patients and keep busy throughout, uh, throughout the day by being able to see patients in multiple states, all from the comfort of a home office. Um, the, the, the doctors that have been utilizing it for the longest period of time now, you know, for, since we started, um, are huge advocates of this. Uh, because they really do believe, um, and rightfully so, that they are performing no different than if they were physically present uh, with their patients. And they feel that they're giving great, great care. Uh, they're finding things that, um, you know, that they would uh, typically find if they were, you know, physically present with the patient, uh, anything from retinal tears to RP to you name it. Um, so, you know, it, they really believe that this is a truly comprehensive eye exam and that this just gives them the flexibility that they really want. I mean, we, we've been on calls uh, yesterday, two conference calls, where uh, young uh, optometrists who had just given birth and they thought that they would have to give up practicing uh, for a while. And they, they learned about digital optometrics and they were just, uh, you know, so happy to find a solution where they can go ahead and keep the quality of their 
of, of their practice um, at the levels that they're accustomed to while still being able to have that flexibility of raise, you know, raising a newborn. So, so this is the kind of stuff that we're, we're, we're hearing about. I know this is going to be difficult because it's a visual um, experience because I've had the opportunity to sit and kind of watch mm-hmm. uh, the performance of a comprehensive exam. But if you were going to narrate and describe what makes this different, you've already talked about the fact that you don't separate the refraction from the ocular health examination. But if, if for listeners who may not be familiar, could you kind of walk them through the process as to how an exam is performed? Sure, I'd be happy to. So uh, the the patient would walk into the practice um, and they would fill out their ocular and medical history. The ocular and medical history can be filled out on a tablet or on a laptop. Uh, they That could be filled out either by the patient or by a local technician to assist them. And that information would get pushed up to the cloud to be reviewed by the remote optometrist. Then the local technician who is on site would go ahead and walk the patient into the pre-testing area where the patient would be would go through a number of different uh, pre-testing devices. They could be uh, an autorefractor or a, uh, an auto lens meter for their existing pair of glasses, um, a non-contact tonometer for a glaucoma check. Uh, they would go through a retinal camera uh, so that we can get a posterior view of the, of the back of the eye. Uh, they would go through um, uh, a video slit lamp where we would take a 15-second a video uh, image of the anterior seg of the eye, you know, which is, you know, von Herrick's um, cornea, conjunctiva, lid margin, lens. Uh, then uh, there could be other devices. We integrate into hundreds of different devices. So uh, it could be visual field machines, OCTs. We utilize typically what the, what the practice has um, so that they don't have as much CapEx. And then uh, all that information in the pre-testing area would go through our proprietary machine interface software and get pushed up to the cloud to be reviewed by the remote optometrist. And then the local technician would bring the patient through into the examination room. The patient would sit in the chair. The local tech would put the digital foropter in front of their eyes, and they would look straight ahead at the chart. And above the chart is a 43-inch monitor. And on that monitor would appear an ophthalmic technician who is remotely based, works in my office in New York, and that ophthalmic technician would take control over the foropter and perform a full subjective refraction from unaided visual acuities all the way through to red, green, and binocular balance. The ophthalmic technician, when done with the subjective refraction, would come off the screen, and then a licensed optometrist would appear on the screen who is licensed in the state where the patient is located. That licensed optometrist also has the ability to take control over the foropter should they want to refine the prescription that the remote technician uh, just performed. They will communicate live with the patient. They'll answer any questions that the patient might have. They will provide lens recommendations to enhance their vision. They'll also give any ocular health assessments or any ocular health referrals. If they need to come back, they might recommend that the patient come back for a dilation. Um, And so once that uh, communication is complete, the doctor will come off of the screen and the prescription will print immediately for eyeglasses and or contact lenses so that the patient can now uh, be walked by the local technician out to the dispensary to purchase their uh, materials. So that's how uh, essentially how it works. Sounds like a comprehensive exam to me, uh, having had a few of them myself. 
Um, we're talking with Dr. Howard Freed from Digital Optometrics about a, a brand new uh, tool in the toolbox, uh, the ability to perform comprehensive eye exams remotely um, and the benefits that it provides for both customers, patients, and doctors. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Welcome back. Uh, we are talking with Dr. Howard Freed with Digital Optometrics, and uh, he has been explaining uh, the technology that he developed a couple of years ago and has been um, busy introducing it, educating doctors throughout the country as to how they can benefit from its use. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, Dr. Freed, is one of the things I hear when I talk about this to others is this concern about third-party reimbursement. And mm-hmm. people get excited about the ability, but they say, well, does, does VSP pay for it? Does IMED pay for it? And, and what about medical insurance? So talk a little bit about what you expect over the next months, maybe a year or two, in terms of gaining the recognition from third-party payers to actually reimburse this the same as if it's an in-person exam. Yeah, that's another great question. So there are a few uh, vision insurance companies that are already reimbursing for uh, for the teleoptometry exam. Uh, you did mention, uh, you know, in your question, IMED and VSP. They are not yet doing doing uh, a full reimbursement yet for teleoptometry exams. Although uh, both companies are looking into it now, and I, I would anticipate that within 12 months. You, all of the vision insurance companies will be reimbursing, but they'll be reimbursing really for responsible technologies that put patients first and incorporate a full comprehensive eye exam. And 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 many uh, organizations out there are uh, specifically like the National Association for Vision Care Plans are looking at this topic right now and figuring out uh, their position, um, you know, insofar as uh, reimbursement. Um, from not only from a vision insurance standpoint, but also from medical insurance. And most medical insurance companies currently reimburse for telemedicine exams. Um, so, so I would say, John, you know, in the next 12 months, um, I, I'm, you know, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm betting uh, here, but I, I, based upon what I'm seeing uh, happen and the movement amongst uh, the vision insurance companies and the medical insurance companies, I think it's, it will be safe to say that within 12 months, uh, they will all be reimbursing in some way or form for uh, for these responsible technologies. Do you expect them to reimburse at the same level that an in-person exam is? I think that some will reimburse at the same level. Uh, some uh, have already indicated that they are looking for some level of discount if uh, they're going into urban areas where there are multiple uh, providers on the same uh, city block, as an example, um, and some are doing in-person exams and some are doing, um, you know, uh, remote exams that they would want some level of, of discount for that. Uh, but uh, I know that there's, you know, the flip side is is that, uh, 
you know, they're, they're saying that there's, you know, there's still the same relative same costs insofar as having a doctor um, that is seeing the patient. And so uh, there's, there's that discussion going on right now as we speak as to, you know, whether it should be at full value or, or not. So you, you mentioned earlier that you have done 10,000 exams. Uh, what is most, the most typical application that people are, uh, that w- people are using the technology in? Uh, is it to expand their office hours or is it to uh, provide care into areas that otherwise wouldn't have it? What, what's more typical right now is the way it's being used. Yeah, the, it's actually, uh, it's, it's a lot of different ways right now. Um, so we're, we're in independent practices uh, where they have a doctor only uh, two days a week. Uh, they, they don't want, you know, to, they don't have enough volume to support uh, having a doctor every day of the week and utilizing this technology allows them uh, the flexibility of not having that fixed cost and be able to pay uh, on a per exam basis for the other days that they don't have coverage. Uh, so that's one way it's being utilized. It's being utilized not only in dark locations, you know, without doctors, but in dim locations, as we just talked about. It's being utilized in very high volume practices uh, where they have in certain areas of the country where they have a doctor physically present uh, six or seven days a week, but because of the volume and the backlog of patients, they need uh, this technology because of a lack of finding optometrists to be utilized in a second exam lane or a third exam lane. And so we're, we're actually the overflow for a lot of the busier practices. And then the other method that is being utilized, there's two other methods. One is a delegated refraction concept, John, where, uh, where a doctor is physically present in the office and our technology is in two or three exam lanes and the doctor, uh, the optometrist, would walk from room to room after our refraction is done remotely and they perform the slit lamp and ocular health assessment in the room. They just check off on a tablet uh, that they agree with the refraction, and they move from room to room uh, in that methodology by utilizing our refractionists, and then they perform the ocular health assessment. So one doctor can now go ahead, instead of seeing X amount of patients in one exam room, can now see two times or three times the amount of patients in a day uh, by utilizing this technology. And the last thing that I wanted to mention is that what we're getting involved in right now, um, it, which I think is going to be really a a huge area uh, for digital optometrics and for our customers is digital optometrics and its friendly professional corps going ahead and taking over sublease opportunities in areas in which optometrists, um, you know, don't want to go in to practice. Uh, We can take over a sublease and uh, bill our fees directly to the patient. Um, So in those two-door states, in states in which uh, there has to be a separation of uh, the optometry uh, examination area versus where the dispensing is, we would go ahead and take over the sublease, bill the patients directly, and that way uh, they would have uh, access to a doctor at all hours and days that the, uh, the practice or the retail establishment is open. Unbelievable. These are amazing times we're living in, the ability to provide this kind of care. Um, what is the response that you've seen from the schools of optometry about utilization of this? Another, another great question. So uh, we, we have been in communication with a few colleges of optometry, uh, such as SUNY, my alma mater, 
um, New England College of Optometry and uh, Illinois College of Optometry, and they are all interested, all three of them are interested in doing a research study uh, to show that there is uh, uh, the same level of care and results that occur from a uh, you know remote comprehensive eye exam as an in-person exam. And so uh, we are planning to do a research study with some of these institutions, and they're also interested in bringing it into their clinics so that they can go ahead and teach their students uh, how to be clinicians rather than technicians. Um, and I think that's uh, something I think these uh, the ones that we've communicated with already, these colleges of optometry, um, really are visionaries in that they see that the the uh, profession is changing and they want to be a part of making sure that their students are prepared for those changes. The One of the things you hear about a lot is the, the, the difference, I don't know if I'd call it cultural, but the professional difference between the attitudes of young millennial optometrists and the the attitudes of the boomers that are approaching retirement age. Um, how do you see this change in uh, generations uh, effective, not only the use of your technology, but the, the delivery of eye care in general? Yeah. So, so it's, I guess it's a, it's a, it's two questions there. Um, and, and that's, you know, the optometrist versus the patient's, um, and, and so in regards to the patients, uh, what, we've, what we do, uh, and I, I'm sure you're aware of this, we, we run uh, for every patient that goes through our technology uh, a net promoter score uh, survey. And net promoter scores are used by the Fortune 500 companies to determine uh, if customers will be promoters of their brand. So the net promoter score you know, survey question is, you know, would you recommend this technology to your friends and family? Uh, and so we, we, we've been running that now, and we've had uh, thousands of surveys completed. And what we found uh, was that when you're comparing it, first of all, with uh, other big companies like uh, Amazon and Netflix, which have net promoter scores in the, in the 60s, which is really, which is, which is very good net promoter scores, uh, our net promoter score is in the mid 80s. And in some, with some of our clients, uh, we're in the mid 90s. Uh, and then when we go ahead and we to your to to get to your question, when we break up the net promoter score surveys into the different generations to determine is this something that really is millennial driven or is this something that the older population likes or does not like? What we found is that the older population has higher net promoter scores with our technology than the younger population. So you might say, well, why is that? And I think the answer is, is that the younger population, they're accustomed to all this technology. So when they go in and they get an exam, a teleoptometry exam, they just see it as, okay, it's, it's, it's a form of telemedicine. And it's, it's not as wow, a wow effect. When the older population comes in, they can't believe that the person up on the screen is real. And they ask that question, is that is that somebody talking to me? Is that a person talking to me? Because they can't get over because it's not their grandfather's eye exam, basically. It's, it's really a wow effect. It's truly engaging. And it's just an unbelievable experience for them. And that's why I think they, they sort of rate on, on the net promoter score much higher than the, the younger population. That's fascinating. I understand the logic that you've just explained, but it is fascinating. Um, the we we ex, we see a similar uh, juxtaposition between 
the older optometrists and their acceptance of this type of technology and younger optometrists who everyone assumes would be much more likely to embrace it, um, we've, we've kind of perceived that younger optometrists um, are excited about practicing, but they're real comfortable with the, the technology and the use of tools. Reminds me of people's concerns back when auto refractors first were introduced. There was a, uh-huh. a big panic about uh, the role of optometrists. Are you seeing something similar in terms of people's perception of what this can do? Yeah, well, the, the, uh, from an optometry standpoint, I, I do remember when autorefractors came out and, and you know, everyone thought, oh boy, uh, this is going to threaten our livelihood. And the same thing with LASIK surgery. And, 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 and there's been so many other events that have happened uh, throughout the course of our profession that, uh, you know, originally came across as being a threat. Uh, but the one thing that's so great about the optometry profession is that when you come out of optometry school, you can practice in so many different ways. You can be a part of academia. You can be a part in a hospital environment or VA hospital. You can be in, you know, uh, a sublease environment. You can go work for, uh, for an optometrist. You can work for an ophthalmologist. You can, there's so many different ways that you can do this. You can have multiple private practices. And so I just think, John, that this is just a, a yet another way to go ahead and practice. And this just gives optometrists the ability to have flexibility and schedule, the ability to expand to multiple practices so that they can actually be in three places at the same time. And we talk about the older population. I mean, we've had a ton of, of doctors that work for digital optometrics that are, that are older and, and have embraced this. We even have a lot of optometrists who own private practices who are now looking to retirement in the next you know, five years down the line and see this as a way to transition where they can keep their, the value of their practice up uh, while they go ahead and work, let's say, from home um, by seeing patients remotely uh, and, and get that practice to, to continue to be at a maximum level so that they are prepared for ultimately a sale um, and, and can max out on that sale. So there's, it, it's not just for younger optometrists. This is, you know, really, this is, could be for older optometrists. It's really uh, cross-generational. Well, this has all been very interesting. Uh, sadly, we're out of time, but I want to thank you, Dr. Freed, for taking time today to come in and explain to us a little bit about what truly is an amazing um, technology and, and really is going to provide, I think, a level of, a, can extend the quality of care that can be provided to, to people. And, and at a time that we know that the long-term economics of the, the eye care profession is favoring optometry, it really does create another way of expanding um, that reach. So again, thank you. If people would like to get a hold of you to learn more about this, how, what would they need to do? So they can either uh, email me at uh, h which is F-R-I-E-D, at digitaloptometrics.com. Or they can feel free to call me at my uh, direct office number, which is 516-243-8575. And John, thanks so much for for having me. I appreciate it. It's been great. Uh, Until next time, folks, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Insight, a podcast about the optical and optometric industry. This is John Marvin. And we want to thank you for listening.